you are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. My name is Alan Peterson, and I am your host. You're listening to episode number 52, and in this episode, you're going to be meeting Nick Thacker, who is an action-adventure thriller novelist who writes the types of books he likes to read, which means you won't find anything boring, slow, or sappy in his stories. I love that little uh, tagline from his website, (laughs) my kind of book. Uh, People have described his work as airplane books, but he just sees that as a compliment. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Nick was born in Connecticut, grew up in Texas, and now lives in Colorado. And so we're going to be talking to him about his process and his books and a lot more. So stay tuned for the interview in just one moment. A quick reminder to please uh, rate and review this podcast. really helps me get the word out. Uh, If you do that on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever it is that you are listening and subscribe to this podcast, it would be much appreciated. So here we go. Episode number 52 with Nick Thacker. Hey everybody, this is Alan Peterson with Meet the Thriller Author, and for uh, this episode I have uh, Nick Thacker on Skype, and we're going to be talking about his thrillers and his writing process and all that good stuff. Uh, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Alan. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Thanks for having me. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background? Sure. Um, I like to say I came from marketing first and then writing. (laughs) Um, in the writing world, especially in the indie author community, a lot of the, the, the challenges most authors have seems to be with the marketing side, not yeah. the writing side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I, I usually introduce myself that way and say, you know, I, I had a, a marketing job for a while um, as I was writing my first book, uh, um, especially, and I realized that it would, this was going to be a good career path to start from. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I started in marketing, um, building websites, things like that. And then I started writing. So I haven't always been a writer. I actually hated writing growing up. Um, and I sort of fell into it. I just uh, started writing one day and I wanted to write a book for my dad for Christmas. I, I wanted to give, give him my book on Christmas Day. Um, and so it, it you know, took a year and slogged through it. It was horrible. <laughs> but uh, I, I had it uh, self-published, um, printed, you know, hardcover, that kind of thing, and gave it to him. And and he was blown away. The look on his face was priceless. And so um, I decided to keep going. I, of course, had a lot of other ideas for things that could have become books. And so I, I jumped into the second one, and the rest is history. And was the first book, was it, uh, was it a, a fiction or nonfiction? It was fiction. Uh, it was, it's called The Golden Crystal. Um, it's actually sold pretty well. It's still selling. Um, certainly not a bestseller, but uh, I, I have plans to go back through. And uh, I mean, it was edited after, after the fact. I, I brought it to an editor and fixed it and I, I i like to joke that i should have put the editor's name on it as the author because they they did such a phenomenal job uh, getting it you know banged up into shape and so um it's it's a good book you know i i think it was a good story it was a lot of fun to write and um the readers seem to really enjoy it as well um it's a little different than the rest of the stuff that i wrote afterwards though yeah yeah can you tell us something about uh, about your i know you have, you have several series out yeah you have the harvey bennett thrillers and can you tell us a little bit about those about your books Sure. Yeah, the Harvey Bennett series um, started with the Enigma Strain. That was the third fiction book I wrote. Um, I actually didn't like it very much. Um, I got to the end of it, and, and I, I, I tried to set a goal for myself with, with each of these books. Again, not having a writing background, didn't have any degree, and I didn't really know how you're supposed to do it. Um, the goal for the first book, of course, was just write a book. The second book was 
now I'm going to try to make the main character, the protagonist, a woman, um, because I don't know how to write women. I'm not a woman, and I'm going to make her a mother, because I'm not a mother either. Um, and I don't think I succeeded <laughs> in that very much, or very well, I should say. Um, but I did it, and it was it was a challenge for me. The third book, the Harvey Bennett, um, first one in the Harvey Bennett series, The Enigma Strain, the, the goal was to sort of create two main characters, two protagonists, um, a man and a woman, Harvey and his now girlfriend, Juliet Richardson, and just try to pair them up together and just see how they interacted. So it was very character-based in some ways. And uh, I, I thought that was challenging. It, it ended up working better than I thought it did. But again, I, I was a little bit bored with that process because I was so... Um, I, I'm such a plot writer, if that makes sense. I don't really do a whole lot of character um, um, development on the side. It's, it's always based on ideas and plot and, and what's, what's most fun for the reader. And of course, we have to have characters in novels, so I, I do write them. But that's never the reason I pick up a book um, and and you know get sucked in. It's always for plot. Uh, so that became the Harvey Bennett, the first one. Uh, readers enjoyed it. I decided to write a second one, but I said, okay, this time I'm going to write the plot that I want to write, and I'm going to just make it fun and go to the exotic location of Amazon rainforest and uh, um, see what we can you know throw in mystical science fiction type stuff. And so uh, that one did really well as well. I wrote the third one called the ice chasm and released it late last year. Um, and so I have three books out now in that series and it's been, it's been going really well. Yeah. They're doing, that yeah, they're doing super, super well. So, uh, that must be a very uh, satisfying for you to, to see the fans picking it up and reading it and, and, and I'll, and start contacting you probably tell you how, how, how cool it is. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very rewarding process. Certainly. Um, I, I'm blown away every day that there's more than one person, uh, on the planet that wants to read it. And, and, you know, I thought with the first one, it, again, it was just going to be my dad. And I didn't even think he would read it. I thought he would just go, oh, it's cool. And, you know, put it on a shelf somewhere. Um, but he loved it. He thought it was great. And of course he's biased, but, um, he told me to write another one. And ever since then, it's just been really cool to see, um, a dream like this, you know, something that I did as a hobby and never intended to make any money doing, um, become something that is, is a full-time income for me. And now you have a new series coming out, the Mason Dixon thrillers. Yes, I'm. I'm very excited about that one. It, it, can I tell the story about how that came to be? Oh yeah, Is that please. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, I do like to indulge in fine whiskeys and bourbons, and by fine I mean about twenty five dollars a bottle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I was indulging one night, and and I decided I, I thought this would be a really neat idea for a book if I could just somehow write a fiction book about alcohol. And I know that sounds such <laughs> it sounds like uh something an alcoholic would say i promise you I, i'm not but um i i was sitting there at the, at the kitchen table uh, my wife was putting the kids to bed and i just i wanted to write but i i was bored with what i what i was writing what, what book i was working on and i i thought well I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something a little bit different i'm just gonna create this character who's a bartender and all he wants to do is make classy drinks for classy people um he wants to own his own bar and just live a life of solitude and uh make his drinks and so that became, you know, this character who was a little more edgy, a little more um, uh, almost kind of like an archer type character mixed with a little little Dexter. Um, because, of course, at night after he closes the bar down, he becomes an assassin. That's his <laughs> trade. And so um, he goes and kills people. And, and the people that he kills are schmucks and um, just dirtbags and people no one wants around anyway. And so he takes it upon himself to go and rid the world of these um these these idiots and so that became um this character i put him in the south and in south carolina and so i thought well what a better name than mason dixon um it's sort of just that tongue-in-cheek reference 
Um, but it's also, it, it's a serious book. You know, this first one coming out, I'm, I'm putting the final touch of, touches on it today, actually, um, and getting it ready for release. I, I'm very excited about this one. I don't know that I'm, if this is the best book that I've ever written, but it always feels like that when I come out with something new. And so I hope it is. I hope the readers enjoy it. It seems like people are excited about it. Um, and I just, I can't wait to dive into the second and third and 10th and 20th <laughs> Mason Dixon thriller. I really like that you that you made him like um, you know like a bartender like a you know like most of the you know where you like using the CIA and all these things. It's kind of cool that he's kind of like a bartender and then he goes out and does uh, his yeah, thing. <laughs> I just wanted him to be a normal guy, and the reason for that I think is that you know we always put writers put a little bit of themselves into every character. It seems like, and so um, I'm a normal guy. I don't have a background in the CIA. I don't have a background in the army or military and stuff. And um, as much as I admire and respect the people that do, I don't know that world in, intuitively enough to try to pull that off, you know? And so I didn't want to try to fake it. I wanted to make this, but I do know how to make a good drink. <laughs> um, so I can mix an old fashioned, like no one's business. And so I decided, well, Hey, that's a great, you know, basis for a character. Someone who is just a, um, a bartender, but loves talking about it and loves that, uh, that whole mixology universe that a lot of people don't know about. And so, um, that's the, the foundation for that character was that. And of course, because, I, I would find it hard to read a book about somebody who's just a bartender and goes home at night and wakes up the next day and is a bartender again. Um, I had to throw in a little flair of, you know, being an assassin. I'm not that either, but I just thought that, <laughs> you know, there are fewer readers who are assassins who will call me out on the mistakes that I make um, than there are people who are in the army and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're going to get a bartender saying, well, no, you don't make, it, you don't make that drink like that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I, um, I'm writing this thing and he's, he's talking about the drinks he's making to other characters that, that order them. And he's, of course, you know, as bartenders, I, I imagine would do, they're making fun of people who order, you know, um, a drink that they shouldn't order, uh, not shouldn't order, but that just seem goofy or something, you know, uh, these lemon drop martinis and things like that, that, um, in my opinion, you probably shouldn't waste time with in a bar. Um, and so he's kind of judging them and stuff and that's all part of his character. But, um, I, I had this idea of, of sort of releasing a, like a manual, like a bartender's, you know, recipe manual, under his name, oh, like setting up a, cool. you know, a Mason Dixon, um, pin name. And I guess I'm, I'm ruining it now because everyone's <laughs> going to know it's me, but uh, it, sh- it wouldn't be much of a secret, I guess, but having him release it on Amazon and then talk about it in his next book, oh, I just released a you know manual and just as kind of a, a, just a goofy thing to do. But I, I thought that might be kind of fun for the readers to take that home and make the drinks that Mason Dixon is making in the way that he's doing it. That, that sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds, that's real clever. That's like, it reminds me of the Sopranos when, uh, Artie Bucco took out a, a release, published a cookbook. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, right, and yeah, and I think uh, in Castle, uh, Nathan Fillion's character does that. You know, Castle. He actually, I think, on Amazon, somebody was telling me he's got a bunch of books to his name that they, the studio release and stuff. And it's just a that's a genius marketing tool. I I feel like I have to steal that. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of, that sounds like a lot of fun. And I love your cover, that cover for Mark for Blood. I'm looking at it right Thank now. You. It's just awesome. Thank you. That was designed for me for free. I won. Um, uh, and I, I, I'm going to butcher his name so I can maybe send you that and link it to the show notes. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the guy that created that, um, gave that to me for free. He designed it based on some specifications we had talked through a little bit. Um, but yeah, I won that in a competition or a, I, I should say a contest Wow. and, um, and he sent it over. Oh yeah, it was, it was amazing. And so I've actually gone through and, um, and found some of the same, you know, sort of, um, models, I guess the stock, stock photo models and stuff that he used. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've got some concepts for the second and third one, um, you know, already that, that I think I'll use for those. 
Um, but because I, I just loved it, I, I loved what he did with it. I thought it was a really well done cover. Yeah, that's a, that's awesome, especially for that price. <laughs> it makes it even yes, better. <laughs> the price can't be beat. Can't be beat. Yes. <laughs> I guess he could have paid me to do it, but you know, other than that, he, the price can't be beat. So <laughs> no, I'm, I was very happy with it, and I think best of all, it. Uh, and this is a marketing thing, you know it it matches the genre that I'm trying to target that crime thriller, the assassination thriller types type plot. Mm-hmm, exactly. um, I went on Amazon and I looked through the book, you know the the Robert Ludlum born um, kind of books, um, and and I found this sort of um, trope, I guess is probably the best word for it. Um, and I think that's important for authors to do. We always want our books to stand out because it's our unique little baby. but um, at some level, like we have to make sure that's the first place authors or readers will will come across that book. And so it has to stand out. Uh, or I'm sorry, it has to not stand out. It has to look like something in that genre and still stand out to their eye as a book they want to click on. And then when they get to the description, they realize it's a little more, uh, maybe there's more humor in it than, than normal, but maybe there's some edginess that they like. And that's what I'm hoping for. We'll see. We'll see how that all works. Yeah, and yeah, no, it, it just yeah, it just pops. Yeah, that's so that's so important too. The I mean, the writing, of course, and then the you know the editing and all that. But I think the cover because that's all we have really. Because you know they don't know for a that's lot it. of people don't know us. Right. They have a few seconds as they're perusing Amazon. <laughs> right. We always judge books by a cover. We can't help it. You yeah. know, it's human nature, and that's all we've seen. There's no way to read an entire book just by looking at it. So that's all we have is the cover. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you when you started writing your your books, um, did you choose thrillers? Were you a fan of that genre before as a reader, or why do you start oh, writing was, thrillers? Oh, I was absolutely. Yep, yep. I uh, I grew up reading. Um, so in, I, I loved to read when I was very young. I, I just read all the time, and then I got into school, and they you know teachers would force me to read something, and I didn't like that, and so I kind of pushed against it for for years, and then I came back to reading um, sort of in high school, um, around that age, and I remember the first book that I read that sucked me in and just would not let go was the da vinci code by dan brown and um say what you want about dan brown's writing you know style or good or bad whatever um it's a great book it's got a wonderful plot it makes you think it makes you do read well it made me do research afterwards mm-hmm. is this really real does this happen could this even be um and it, regardless of what the answer was it, it made me do that and so um i tried to find books that were like that so I went through all of Dan Brown's books. I came into James Rollins, who is still my, my all-time favorite uh, author. Um, I read through all of his and eagerly anticipate the release of each one that he has. Um, got into Clive Cussler and Jeremy Robinson and Andy McDermott and all these guys that are writing these action-adventure thrillers, you know, where you have a good guy and a bad guy in an exotic location. Everyone gets shot in the neck and everybody dies at the end except the hero. Um, that was the genre that I read and still read most of, you know, I, have branched out of course, but, um, I, I, that's my, my, my through and through main genre. And so when I wrote the first book, the golden crystal, that was the genre I tried to, to hit was the same thing that I'd read. Uh, because I think as a reader, you start to pick up on the tropes that are used in that, in that genre. You know, if you're writing romance, um, or sweet romance, I can't, I, and I'm going to butcher this cause I'm not a romance reader or writer, but there's strokes you have to hit. It has to be a happily ever after ending or your readers are going to, you know, uh, crucify you. And so there's the same sort of stuff in, um, in thrillers, you know, usually they're set in a modern day. It's not in the future. It's not really in the past. It's just now. Um, so we have the technology that we have now, but you can get away with a little bit of science fiction. Cause you can say, well, the, the you know, the military has been developing this secretly. And so here it is. Um, but you can't be putting space elevators and, and, you know, you know, light rails and things like that. in. um, in, you know, in, in a modern thriller because that hasn't happened yet, mm-hmm. you know, so there's these tropes that you have to hit. So I knew those intuitively, even before I knew what the word trope meant. And so when I started writing, I think I hit a lot of those and the readers enjoyed the book uh, enough and I didn't, you know, mess up any of the tropes. I didn't screw up 
too much of the military uh, lingo that I got away with it. And so that's sort of the basis for the thrillers that I write. And I try to just get better as, as I go. I mean, I always try to get better as I go, and it just you know comes with practice, I think. And do you do you uh, write, take do you write every day? Uh, no, I'm bad about that. I uh, am actually at the end of my full time day job, I'm going full time as a writer next month, and so. Oh, congratulations! I guess when this gets, thank Sorry. you, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's like, extremely, no, it's extremely exciting. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's terrifying in a lot of ways, but um, I have to believe it's it's the best decision. You know, it's it's something that I'll I'll regret not doing if I don't do it. So, um, you know, and the money's there. It's it's not like it's going to be a financial burden or anything. So it, it's going to be good. It, I hope. Mm-hmm. But um, I uh, um, I'm I'm going to be doing hopefully writing every day by the time I I, I go full time. Um, I've done it before, and I've been able to maintain a schedule of writing every single day. But just when we started having children, and um, I didn't want to, you know, let my day job suffer, and it was just something that I said, you know what, this isn't as important as family, and so, and I'm not going to lose my job over it. So I will write. I have a weekly writing goal, so I have to hit, you know, five thousand words by the end of a week, which is pretty slow compared to a lot of indie authors. A lot of them are hitting five to six thousand a day, and so I'd love to get to that point. Uh, where I'm writing, you know, five or six thousand a day. But of course, that you know, when I'm full time, that could look like a weekly goal of ten thousand words, um, and then I just try to sit down every single day and write however much I can. Um, we'll see. Yeah, it's hard to say with without having the schedule and, and knowing mm-hmm. what that's going to be like. And do you like um, you, you said earlier that you uh, that you you outline? So you have a before you start writing uh, the a book, you already have a, a, a detailed outline set out. Uh, I do. I always have an outline. It's not always detailed at the very beginning. Um, the, the book I'm working on in the Harvey Bennett series right now, tentatively titled uh, The Jefferson Legacy, based on the Lewis and Clark expedition and, and all kinds of fun stuff there. Um, I need to get the outline done because I'm, I'm starting to get, to get stuck. I wrote the prologue, uh, which is set back when um, Meriwether Lewis was killed. Um, and so... Uh, you know, I've, I've I've gotten through the prologue. I've gotten into the first couple chapters of the you know the modern day, um, and I'm starting to get stuck. And so I've got this bare bones outline that I've I've written for that. And now I'm going to stop and just really expand that outline to you know five or ten pages, um, and then I can go back into writing and, and feel comfortable knowing what comes next. But as me for me as a writer, that that's what the only thing that works is to have that outline. And what do you use to write? Do you use like a, a, a Microsoft Word or you use like a Scrivener type software? I, yeah, I use Scrivener. Um, I can't stand Microsoft Word. That may very well have been the reason I never wrote <laughs> when yeah. I was younger because <laughs> um, I didn't know there were there were better tools out there. Uh, Microsoft Word is great for a lot of things. I don't think it's the master of, it's, you know, the jack of all trades, master of none conundrum. And I think Microsoft Word, you know, it works well on my computer. I use a Mac. It, it interfaces with Windows here at my day job. It's it's There's no problems I have with it other than I just have no fun writing in Microsoft Word, um, for whatever reason, you know. And Scrivener just does a f- phenomenal job of um, organizing, you know, their interface in a way that works with the way I organize my thoughts. And so I think for me as a writer, that's that's the tool of choice. Um, I've used Ulysses a little bit. That's got some pretty um, slick interface um, things as well. Uh, however, they use Markdown format. I don't like Markdown. I think it's a waste of time. Um, Scrivener just, you know, does what I needed to do, and it it compiles it to ebook formats, and I can make all the changes I want. I get OCD about the layouts, and so I can change everything in there, however I need to. It's just, it's it's great. It's a robust tool, but under the hood, but at surface level, it's it's just an easy, um, you know, beautiful writing interface that gets out of the way. Yeah, that's what I tell people because they, they they get overwhelmed with the Scrivener. It's like just 
just open it up and start writing and then just start adding exactly. the stuff that you need and, and you'll and you'll like it <laughs> right and you know yeah exactly I, I i am not usually overwhelmed by software you know i've been around software all my life and so um this you know the the all the features and things aren't aren't a problem for me but with microsoft word there was just so much bloat in the interface i mean the ribbon and whatever that thing's called and all that mm-hmm. stuff just around just got in the way whereas in in um, scrivener i have the full screen writing mode and it's just you know, gets out of the way. I have a little background image behind it of uh, wherever my book is set, you know, so if it's in the Amazon, I've got a picture of the rainforest back there and it's faded out. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a really nice tool. I, it's like writing on top of a screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's cool inspiration. It's a good idea. Once you're in the zone, I mean, how long is, like, from when you start to write uh, to your book is out, like, how long does that usually take you? Longer than I want it to, always. Um I always have these high hopes of, you know, releasing a hundred thousand word novel every month and it ends up being like once every six months. But the good news is, um, I'm, you know, not, I'm never working on just one at a time. So there's always little pieces or outlines that I'm working on of other books. And so that six month process really looks more like releasing a book every four or five months mm-hmm. or sometimes three months, you know, if they're shorter. And so that's one of those other things that I'm hoping by increasing my daily writing time, um, I'll, I'll increase my output, you know, and just by you know two or threefold, um, that's the goal. So I'll hope to hit four or five books published by the end of this year. Since I'll have six months to just write, um, I say nonstop. But of course, I still have a life and kids <laughs> and all that. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Do you jump between the two series, or do you like have to work on on one and then the other, or can you do both at the same time? <laughs> Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I haven't really answered what what I want to do um, yet. I, I haven't really been able to answer what's right. Um, of course, I think it's different for every author, but and it's sort of dictated by the readership. You know, if everyone's really interested in this Mason Dixon thing, um, then I may just have to put on hold the Harvey Bennett series for a minute, just because they're those readers are are sated by the three that I have out, and no one's bugging me about it. Um, but of course, once I start promoting and, and getting the wheels turning on the, the release of the, the next Harvey Bennett one, people may jump back over there. And so I really don't know. Um, I, I've had multiple series out at a time, but one was in a post-apocalyptic sci-fi world. That's relics. Um, and then the other one of course was the modern action adventure thriller, Harvey Bennett. And so those are very, very different readership, uh, genres a lot of times. Uh, and of course, I mean, there's crossover, but generally people were, were more interested in Harvey Bennett. So I focused on that one. Um, and only just recently finished the third Relics book. That was way later than I wanted it to. Um, so, I, you know, we'll see. With with Mason Dixon, I, I hope, anyway, my, my, I hope and anticipate that people will love Mason Dixon as a character and Harvey Bennett. Um, and they'll just be bugging me all the time to release all of them at the same time, which is impossible. But yeah, <laughs> who knows? That'd be a great problem to have, though. <laughs> that would be a good problem. That's that's right. That's what I'm going for. Is yeah. trying to have a good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> so how's that? So Mark for Blood is a, is on pre-order now. How's that process working for you? I'd be I get so yeah. paranoid. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. I've been kicked off of pre-order on Amazon. I don't know if um, if your readers or your I'm sorry, your listeners um, know how it works, but with self-publishing on Amazon, they allow. Um, authors like me who are indie published to, um, to, to release something for pre-order. But if we don't hit the deadlines in time, like if we don't upload our final copy by certain, you know, d- days before the release, um, they kick you off of being able to set any books for pre-order for a year. Um, so the very first time I did a pre-order, I got kicked off because I did not upload. I had already uploaded the final book. And when I first set up the pre-order, it was done. And so I just waited and waited and waited. And they said, you have to upload your final book. And I said, well, it already did, you know, 
And then uh, the, the deadline to upload the final one came and went, which I didn't care about because it was already done and it was already uploaded. And they said, well, no, you didn't do it, so we're going to kick you off. So I was really frustrated, but hmm. at the time, I, I think I was the only one who had pre-ordered the book anyway, so it didn't really matter. But <laughs> um, I just said, ah, whatever, pre-orders don't work, and you know, I, I don't care. I'm just going to go do something else and you know, release them when I want to. I came back to it. After, you know, It's been well over a year, so I can do pre-orders now. I'm, not, I'm out of their sandbox, and so... Um, I decided I'm going to really test this pre-order thing for one reason. I get to see exactly how many pre-orders are sold and I know exactly what day I'm going to get that, um, those sales to hit. So it's sort of a way of tracking your marketing before it even, before the sales even happen, which is pretty powerful, you know, for marketers. Um, and so I wanted to, to see if I could really boost that, um, that pre-order schedule and get to a thousand pre-orders. Now, again, this is from having, never having done a pre-order campaign before, um, I got to 751 as of today, uh, which is pretty dang wow. good. I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. It's going to be, and people can do the math, you know, make 70% on each one and they're sold at 499 or 699, whatever it is. Um, and so it's going to be a good day yeah. <laughs> when that, when that book is released. But best of all, I got to explore, um, doing some giveaways. I gave away two free Kindles that I've preloaded with all of my books. Um, I did a bunch of Facebook ads for it that didn't work as well as the giveaway. So, you know, now I have some, some data, I have some, some, research i can use to do the next pre-order and maybe i'll get to 2009 or close to it um yeah. so for me it was a good process it was fun yeah that's really that's and that's a great with your background too because i think like you, you mentioned earlier um for a lot of writers i don't you know the market is like oh no you know but i mean you have to do it right. and so you you already have that so that's so that's that's a that's cool <laughs> that you didn't have to well, struggle with yes. that Somebody has to do it. Yeah. You know, if you've got a traditional publishing contract, you hope that they do the marketing. These days, the big five aren't doing as much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if unless you're, you know, a James Patterson or you know, a, a, a who wrote the, uh, Andy Weir wrote The Martian, you know, um, they're just not doing a whole lot of the, the the marketing that they used to do. They may give you a good advance that you can use to go do a book tour, but you're the one paying for that. And so, indie authors, you know, we don't have as much overhead. Uh, we don't have any, as many people in the chain that we have to pay. Um, and so a lot of that marketing money is, is available for us to use, um, out of our, but it's out of our own pocket still. The problem is a lot of authors just don't want to do it. Uh, so somebody's got to do the marketing, and I say it should be the author because they're the one who cares about the book more than anyone. Um, but I understand it's it's something that isn't you know they're not they it's not their cup of tea. I get it because I'm I, I love the marketing side, but I hate the data analytics side. I don't like to track anything I do, um, which makes marketing usually pointless. And so. I have to sit down and track these Facebook ads and type them into the spreadsheet and, you know, and I start falling asleep as soon as I open Excel. Um, but that's the, that's the work that I have to do if I want this marketing stuff to, to happen. Yeah. I think it's just expectations. If someone's just happy publishing a couple books and just, you know, kind of on the side and then that's fine. But if you want to do accomplish what you've accomplished to go full time, then you're going to have to do the, the marketing work. <laughs> Right. If yeah. you haven't attempted the solution, you don't get to complain about the problem. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. So if you if you are an author and you just want to write for yourself and, and your cat and live your life, great. No one's going to be mad at you for that. Mm-hmm. But then if you start complaining about your book's not taking off and you're the next best thing and no one's ever heard of you, but you haven't done the marketing because you hate it, that's all. That's your fault. You, yeah. don't, you don't get to complain about that. So yeah. um, I think indie authors generally get that. It's just still frustrating. Um you know, if you don't like doing the marketing, you have to do it. I get that. It's, mm-hmm. it's never any fun. I think I, I was very impressed too with your books because you you price them um, higher than most indies, and they're doing really really do. well. So how how did that uh, how did that 
process developed for you? To- well, let me just state on the record, it has nothing to do with the value that I associate with my books. I don't think I'm better than any other author out there. Um, it's totally just a demographic that I'm trying to hit, and that is I am put, trying to put my books right next to the traditionally published thriller authors um, so that when someone comes across James Patterson's page uh, and they see that his books are uh, like fourteen ninety nine mm-hmm. for the Kindle version, then they see mine, which is less than half of that, um, I can't do math. I don't even know if that's right. Maybe it is. Yeah. Um, and they see the Mason Dixon one at six ninety nine or whatever. Um, they're not going to say, oh, that must be an indie book because it's, you know, two ninety nine or $0.99. Cents. They're just they're going to think, oh, this must just be on sale and this must be a great price for, a you know, a thriller that I like to read. I hate that there's a taboo around the indie community that readers somehow, you know, for some reason come to it and, and they only want to read, you know, quote unquote, real books by real publishers. Um I think that still exists, though. And in the day that it doesn't exist anymore, I don't have to worry as much about pricing. But I think there's still that taboo, um, especially in the thriller genre. You know, I, mm-hmm. they're, they're coming. Readers are coming and they're seeing um, Robert Ludlum and Clive Cussler and Andy McDermott. And they're, they're the price of their books, um, in my opinion, is just exorbitant. And so I'm hoping that they'll see mine and think, oh, well, this is just like all these other books. Let me just give this guy a shot. I've never heard of him, but who cares? His books are priced well and. You know, they'll, they'll get in and then, of course, hopefully get hooked because I have good drink recipes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, well, you're, you're uh, I mean, they're selling very well. So I think it's a, the strategy is, uh, is good. I think it's good for the indies, too, to start seeing that, to see people like you doing this and makes us think. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Again, I don't think this is a zero sum game, especially not between indie authors. You know, I yeah. don't I don't feel like if, if, if I buy your book, you won't buy my, you know, you won't buy mine and readers will buy yours instead of mine or you know if we're in the same genre readers will buy more than one book and sometimes at the same time and so i will promote other other indie authors and stuff and i'm i'd be glad for more competition in the 6.99 a book you know realm Mm -hmm. um but i am somewhat of an anomaly in that there's not a lot of indies doing that and maybe i'm missing something you know maybe i could be making a million dollars a month if i just put them at 2.99 and got over it but um who cares i mean it seems to me i'd rather fight the battle of what I think is right, and that is, don't price a Kindle book higher than your paperback book, because uh, that doesn't make any sense. We we can see through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I wanted, uh, just, I was looking at your website uh, before the before the call, and um, you do offer um, on your website for for the listeners uh, three free books if they sign up to your newsletter. So that's a pretty that's awesome that you you're actually saying here you go you can check me out for free. Absolutely. They're full books. Um, it's exactly what you'll get if you purchase them on Amazon. Um, don't tell Amazon. I'm not supposed <laughs> to do that, I guess. But um, yeah, it's The Golden Crystal, uh, The Depth, the second book. It's the first three books I wrote, one, two, three. So they're not, um, those three aren't in the same series, but the Harvey, the Harvey Bennett series starts with The Enigma Strain, which is the third one I'm offering for free. Um, to try to get you hooked into that, that series. Um, but I'm giving them away. Of course, well, you know, you have to give me your email address, and I'll uh, spam you with with a bunch of. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So by agripills? Uh, yeah, exactly. So by, yeah, so some pop ups on your computer whenever you're not looking. Um, just no, kidding, I'm, everybody. I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, definitely not doing that. Um, I wouldn't even know where to go to find that. But you know, I I want to email you if you are interested in those kind of books because I'm going to tell you about other authors that I think are writing that kind of stuff. Um, I give away Kindles, um, of course. That's something to be hang, you know, to to take part in. Um, if anyone wants a free Kindle. And of course, if I come out with a new book like Mason Dixon, um, there's some fun, um, you know, ramp up and promotion stuff that happens there. So I hope that it's not overwhelming for readers, but if it is, you can always just unsubscribe and, um, 
I'll hate you for about a second, and then we'll be <laughs> friends again. So, Yeah, and I'll have a link to it on the show notes. It's uh, nickthacker.com, and you'll be able to find, find the find the where to go with from there. Yeah, forward slash free dash books. Uh, very very easy. Just oh yeah, hit yeah. that, and you'll see uh, you'll see the sign up thing, and um, should be pretty easy to, easy to uh, use. And I use a service called Book Funnel. So once you get in, um, it gives you instructions on how to get those books onto your any device you want. Um, you just click the boxes, and it, it lets you know. It's pretty easy. Okay. So um, so what? Uh, before I let you go here, what the what, what gets you going to, to writing these books? Is it? Uh, I mean, I know now it's going to become your your job, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping I'll still be interested in writing once it becomes a day job. You know, yeah. I'm all out. My wife does too. Yeah. Um, I I think when you write something like a book that's a hundred thousand words or even half that, you just you start to have all these other ideas that just don't quite fit in that book. Um, and so since from day one, when I wrote the golden crystal, I was doing research on ancient Atlantis civilization myth, um, on, you know, chemical research and, you know, uh, military science and things like that. Um, and of course researching these exotic locations like Petra, um, and Easter Island. And so I just, all, all these ideas just came out and I just would write them down and keep them in Evernote. Um, and that became a swipe file that I use now to go back and, and kind of get inspired for the next book. Um, and these, some of the, some of these ideas will never become books and some of them, um, will just be little threads of an idea that get weaved into a larger book. But, um, for me, that's kind of what is exciting about it. I can do anything I want and go anywhere I want with anyone I want when I'm writing a book. And, um, if there's someone that just pissed me off at the bar, um, you know, that I was getting a beer at the, the day before, then they get to become a, a villain in my next novel and get killed off at the end, however I want. And there's just something really fun about that in a book, not in real life. I don't kill people in real life, but. <laughs> Um, you know, and there's something just fantastical about that, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, and it's, it's exciting that I'm not doing it alone. There's readers that are excited about what I'm coming out with next and they'll email me and tell me that. Um, and you know, like I've had people email me and say, Hey, I've been hanging out with my wife slash mother, whoever it is, you know, dot dad, you know, whatever in the hospital. And I've just been sitting here reading your, your book and it's just been, it's been good to kind of escape from reality. Um, and I find that pretty powerful that, that they chose to read my book, um, in that moment or, you know, whatever. And, um, I feel like I kind of am obligated at this point to, to keep trying to entertain people. Um, I enjoy that. I love that. I love that people are responding to it well. Um, and I even enjoy people that respond to it poorly and leave me a one-star review. I think it, it just makes it, it, it kind of, um, brings some reality into it. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's that's very touching, especially people contacting you that you're helping them, you know, get through a hard time or something. That's uh, that's that's awesome. Right. I mean, I seriously, I'm certainly no therapist and don't don't want to be. It's just, I, I get that. I've I've been in situations that that suck, and um, it's good to have something that I, you know, a TV show that I can watch that mm -hmm. I can just take my mind off something, you know. And I don't think escapism is a healthy route to, you know, like catharsis, but it can certainly get us through a, a brief period. And if it's a book that I happen to write, then go for it that's awesome alright so before I let you go anything uh, to, to say to or advice for aspiring uh, writers who are listening to the podcast you gotta write just sit down and write something it's not gonna be good uh, it's or I mean, maybe it will but chances are it's not gonna be any good and you'll probably hate it but you'll have done it and, and you'll know that hey this is actually possible and then you can write the next one um, it sounds cliche it sounds tongue in cheek you know but that's exactly what happened to me I thought wow I just wrote a whole book I I wonder if I could do that again. It, it actually wasn't as painful as I thought it was. Um, you know, I have this idea in my mind that running a marathon is going to kill me, and I, but that's because I've never done it. 
Um, and I'm not saying it's easy, but I bet I could get to the end of a marathon and feel like, oh, I can't believe my, my toenails are all gone, but I, I ran a marathon. I think it's, it's much the same with writing a book. You know, you, you practice, you do it consistently, and all of a sudden you've, you've chipped away at an entire novel. Um, and then the next one gets better and better and better and better. And so just write. Sit down and write, whether it's Microsoft Word or Scrivener, whatever you've got, pad and paper, you know, sit down there and write. And just don't stop until it's done. And then assess whether or not you like writing. All right. That's great advice. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Nick, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's good talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please review and rate this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out. If you take a few seconds of your time to uh, do that, it would be much appreciated. You can also visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast for show notes on this episode, as well as information about the uh, podcast in general. And you can also sign up for my mailing list there. You'll be getting uh, special offers from our guests, as well as information, uh, behind the scenes information on the podcast. And uh, please do visit my author website at alanpeterson.com. I appreciate your support. And so until next episode, I will talk to you then.